Um, this morning, we want to want to take this opportunity since we did our welcome for moms. I want to take this opportunity to uh, uh, welcome um, one of our new members, and uh, she was baptized on Monday night. And so uh, we got her picture right here. Uh, there it is, Michaela. Michaela's right there. Michaela McFarland. We want to welcome you to our family. I was honored to be a part of that uh, baptism, and during that moment, we shared with one another the stories of our baptisms and what brought us to that moment. And um, what Michaela said is she said that for her, it was a moment listening to teachers like Josh and Kim Bice talk about the gospel, uh, listening to others like uh, Colton Garrett and his family uh, share the gospel and tell their story that she decided that she needed to own that for herself. And we're going to come back to that because it is all connected. Uh, last week, we began talking about the, um, the children's ministry, and I asked a question. How will you be involved in teaching children? It's not a question of will you be involved, because we are all involved in teaching children. Each and every one of us, whether we know it or not, we are teaching those who are younger than us. So what I'm asking you to do is be intentional and decide how you want to get involved. One of the ways, to, you, you may be asking now, I get that and I'm ready to be involved, but how do I do that? Well, you can talk to any of us who are in leadership, and you can talk to any of the leaders of the children's ministries. This West Ark app that we've uh, recently developed. This is a handy tool. And so you go on your mobile device, you get this app, and there's a section that says connect. And if you hit that section that says connect, it'll say quick question. And um, let's say that I'm asking you that quick question right now. How will you be involved in children's ministry? And I'm going to do it. I, I wish I could project a live screen. There's probably a way to do that, but that's why we need other talents. But you hit connect, and you go over, and about one, two, three, four, five down, it says quick question. You come to a screen, you get to fill out your name, and it says, I would like to be involved with. And that's that quick. We need volunteers in every area. We need people involved in every area. Nursery, flock, uh, gateway, bridge 56, uh, and then also coming up soon, we need you to sign up now for our uh, VBS, which starts on June 18th. And we need volunteers now. We're going to have a work day this Saturday. Um, this is going to be an evening VBS. All of us are going to be able to participate in the fun. So if you think, I haven't been able to participate in VBS because it's a daytime event, I can't get off work, ah, not now. Now it's going to be in the evening. So uh, bring, bring out all of your talents. Have fun. Uh, we need characters. We need teachers. We need workers. We need uh, builders. Um, Adrian Martin is uh, one of the people that you can talk to about that, but I'll be happy to help you as well. And uh, VBS is one of those events where it's all connected. You see all the generations coming together, doing things together. Um, and, and, and this is very much in the spirit of Deuteronomy 6. We walk the walk, we talk the talk, and then we repeat it. We do it again, over and over again, to teach our children. 
not only our children, but as, as Rick said, and I appreciate all of Rick's comments before the communion, it definitely is in the same, uh, it's in the same spirit of what we're saying right now. We do this as a community, as a family of God, and not just as individual families. In fact, I want us to always understand, church is the super family, okay? You've got the families, and then you've got the super family. The super family is the one that connects it all together, all those families. Sadly, sometimes we've turned church into the, um, the parade where we judge how our family is doing against other families. Or we judge other families on how they're doing against us. Or we judge other families on how they're doing against the standard. Well, that's not how we're going to do it. And that's not the right way to do it. It's not the right thing at all. And the image you get in Deuteronomy 6 is of a community of people all mentoring and helping one another throughout the generations. And we read the first part of chapter 6, but as you go on down to about verse 20, he comes back to this walk, talk, repeat pattern. And he says, In the future, when your children ask you, what's the meaning of the laws and the commands and the rules that the Lord our God gave us? Then you tell them, we were slaves to the king of Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt by his great power. The Lord showed us great and terrible signs and miracles, which he did to Egypt, the king, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and his whole family. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt to lead us here and to give us the land that he promised our ancestors. The Lord ordered us to obey all these commands and to respect the Lord our God so that we will always do well and stay alive as we are today. The right thing for us to do is this. Obey all these rules in the presence of the Lord our God as he has commanded. Can you imagine that you've got an Israelite family, or maybe a group of Israelite families, and let's say that it's hundreds of years after the exodus out of Egypt, and a child is asking, what, what does all of these um, rituals that take place in worship, what, what do they mean? Why do we... You know, why the sacrifices? Why does it matter that we don't do work on the last day of the week? What's the meaning of all of this? And then the response is, we were slaves in Egypt. Can you forgive the child for going, oh, hold on. Now your great, great, great grandparents were slaves in Egypt, but I don't think you were. So why does this statement even have meaning? It has meaning because generations later, the current generation is still connected to that first generation that was saved and delivered by the mighty hand of God. And that has become the story that defines them. You and I are shaped by stories that we had no part in. 
we do this all the time, and it's not strange to us. In a few months, we'll celebrate freedom. God bless the USA. Freedom. Oh, it's freedom. Independence. How many of you uh, fought in the Revolutionary War? Well, yeah, but, you know. If I see a hand, we're going to talk to the doctor, okay? Uh, But we have heard those stories. We know what they mean. We understand something about it, and we know how it impacts us. If we can understand that with our national history, why can't we understand it the same way with our faith history? Deuteronomy 6 is not just an instruction for old Israel long ago when it had to do with them coming out of Egypt and now all of that stuff, well, it's obsolete, been nailed to the cross, so never mind it. Not at all. The same principle is there. And a Sunday morning is going to come when you're going to be sitting with your children or somebody else's children are going to be next to you and that plate's going to come around and they're going to be asking, why are we getting crackers? Don't tell them, oh, hush up, that's not for you to worry about. Tell them. Tell them the story. When they say, I want some juice, I want some juice. Tell them what it means. Talk to them about it. These stories that we tell will shape faith. And we don't just tell it once and then give a test. We tell it over and over again. I've been reflecting on uh, what's going on this time of year. Uh, Some people claim that ministers tell these kind of stories because they don't really have a sermon prepared. That's not true. Uh, It's because I can come up with no better story than these observations. And even if I own them, I think you own some of them too. This is the time of year when things happen that mark the passages of life. Graduations, wedding ceremonies. Um, There's so many wonderful things that happen, and I've I've been involved in all of them. The first one this week, and I had a moment of, of... I guess you'd call it an epiphany. Uh, it, it impacted me. We had on Thursday a meeting for ministers in the area. And so we had uh, our ministry staff was there. And we invited Craig Johnson because he's going to go into ministry. You'll understand why that's important in a moment. And then we had some of the uh, ministry staff from Westside and Russellville come over. They broke us up into groups, and we were sharing prayers with one another, and I looked at the, four, at the other three people in my group. Next to me was Jack English, that some of you know, who, who currently ministers at the Center Street Church in Fayetteville. My parents are members there. My sister and her family are members there, and I'm thankful to Jack for his ministry to them. But then I'm also thinking that I wouldn't even be here if that congregation decades ago hadn't taken the time and done the hard work of running an old school bus through our family's neighborhood to bring people to church. And then across from me was Neil Reynolds, who's been the campus minister at the Church of Christ Student Center at Arkansas Tech. He was Cade's mentor. Uh, He's getting ready to move to 
Alabama, where he's going to take a preaching job in Tuscaloosa. He has the job that I had years ago, my first job out of graduate school. And I'm thinking of how he has impacted Cade, who Cade has a campus ministry that now my sons are involved in, and how I've been there, and I I worked with that church and was blessed by that ministry. And then Craig was in that group with us. And I'm thinking that this Lions for Christ before Cade came here is the group that reached out to Craig. Craig didn't, wouldn't even give you the time of day to talk about God, but now he's a believer. And now he wants to go into ministry. And people like Rick have taken him to, to uh, NCYM, the youth ministry conference, and now he's meeting people. And I look at these moments like that, and I'm thinking, it's all connected. God works in all of this, all of these different lives that we can say, well, we're all separate, unique individuals. Maybe we are, but that doesn't mean that we are disconnected. And then on Saturday, two events are are happening almost at the same time, and they both have cupcakes, uh, which is important. Uh, The... uh, one is Gina Belote's graduation. And I'm, I'm proud of Gina. Gina, when I first got here, she would come to a meeting that David Chadwell and I would have. Uh, I, I talked her into coming a couple of times, and she was like, why, why, why does a hairdresser need to come to uh, a meeting that y'all are planning worship? And it's because I realized she knows how to read the Bible. And she would ask questions that I wouldn't have ever asked. And it made us think. And so she came to a few of those. And then over time, she goes to Bulgaria. Rick O'Dell's putting together a group to go to Bulgaria. She says, I'm going to Bulgaria. I'd been to Bulgaria. I knew Gina. I said, yeah, she needs to go to Bulgaria. It's going to work. I don't know why I knew that. I'm not claiming any special power or privilege. I'm just saying, I I just think it, it might work. And now that's what she wants to do. And she's finished her degree. And so I go over to their house. Gina's mother is Debbie. Debbie Belote has worked here for years. Debbie's been such a blessing to me. Our families are now going through some similar challenges uh, with, our, with, our, with our families. And then I also know that uh, Debbie and, and, and James and Patty Anderson, they were shepherds for Wyatt, my oldest son, when he was little and in the children's ministry. And they've made an impact on him. And I'm looking at that, and I'm I'm recognizing it's all connected. They bring it all together. So there's my son Wyatt, and he's the best man now at at, at Hayden Evans' wedding yesterday. And and so we we have this wedding, and um, I look around at this cloud of witnesses that have gathered to celebrate uh, Hayden and Jamie, and they're, they're getting married and all of the people that have uh, connected to them. And for me, one of the profound moments was um, when everybody's getting ready, and, and, and they're at this barn over here on the east side of town, and, uh, all of the, and this is one of those weddings where the uh, groomsmen escort the, the, the bridesmaids out. I don't see that very often. I think it's pagan. We shouldn't do that. I don't know. It, it, it seems wrong somehow. Um, you know, why don't they have a book that tells you how to do all this? But um, anyway, so what that did was it left Hayden and I alone up in the barn, and he can't look out and see what's going on, you know, because if he sees the bride, then it'll be bad luck. 
because as Christian as we are, we're still very superstitious and believe in curses and demons and imps. I don't know why we do this stuff, people. But I have this moment alone with him, and I'm thinking, you've grown up in my house too. You've grown up with my sons. And so I just give him a blessing. Why? Because I want to and I need to, and I hope I'll have more opportunities to do that. See, it's all connected. And those are my stories, and you've got your stories. And I want you to know that if we live life like that in the super family that's the church, then we're ready when these things come along. We're ready when the children ask. When your children ask. What does that mean? That means that when your kids ask a question in Bible class... We're going to drag them up to you and say, here, we don't want to deal with this one. You know, you ask your folks. No. Today, I wander into Bridge 56 because they had donuts. There's a carbohydrate theme going here, you'll see. Uh, But then I'm remembering that they had a question. Oh, a question. And I'm the answer man. And so... They ask their question, and it's about snake handlers. And uh, I guess I'm an expert on snake handlers. And but it's but it's Mark 16, uh, uh, you know, the 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 longer ending of Mark's gospel. The next thing I know, and 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 I'm teaching text criticism to fifth and sixth graders. Now they don't know that, and I never used that word, did I? No, they're just acting out the transmission of manuscripts. When I was studying manuscripts and when I was studying papyri in graduate school, I didn't think that I'd be using that to teach 5th and 6th graders. But that's probably the best use of that. Because if you can teach that real faith to children that age when they have real questions, you start forming faith. You start forming knowledge of God and His Word. Really, it's an extension of that lesson that Dudley gives. This is God's Word. It can change the world. How did we get it? Well, that's a story. That's a story. And they have great questions. And so, I really appreciate the children's questions. We, as a community, can help one another when the children ask questions because we can not only tell stories, but we can teach lessons and we can tell stories from our own experiences. One of the things we tell them, and and it's in that text we just read, is we were. What were we? What were we? Sometimes we think we have to hide things from children. That if we tell them that we're broken, flawed, ordinary people, well, they're going to lose their faith. Quite the opposite. The sad thing that I... Now, listen, I'm not saying we need to get exhibitionist, okay? You know? Hey, kids, let me tell you what it was like when I was doing drugs in L.A. No, we don't need to do all of that, okay? But I'm talking about being honest. I'm talking about us being human and faithful. Think about what it would be like for that generation of Hebrew households when they said, once, our family, we were slaves. We were owned by an evil king who mistreated our people. That may not be the story you want to find out about when you're doing genealogy research, but it's the truth. 
And here's the thing, that we were story doesn't end there. It leads to the Lord. And because of that, the Lord showed, the Lord brought, the Lord gave, the Lord ordered. That opportunity for need, that human brokenness, was where the Lord acted. Our stories of what we were do not need to be stories that glamorize sin or stories that um, uh, make us sound kind of heroic and wild back in our younger days, but they need to be stories that lead to the fact that God worked in our lives. As Paul says, once I was, but now by the grace of God, I am. And I'll tell you, quite often when we try to make our families or even our churches perfect, that's when I see the stories I hate to hear about. When young people, and even young people who've grown old, when they lose their faith, they lose their faith because they think that they don't fit in a perfect church. They lose their faith. They get upset because church has become an abusive place where there's a lot of anxiety, where there's a lot of judgment, where there's a lot of stress and strain about getting everything perfectly right because the church is perfect. Scripture never says the church is perfect. Scripture says that the church is perfected by Christ. That verse that we read, Ephesians 5, yesterday at the wedding, describes the relationship of a man and woman in marriage similar to that in Christ and the church. That the bride cannot make herself presentable. She doesn't make herself dazzling white and clean and bright before Christ. But He, out of His love, makes the bride of Christ radiant and her best. We need to tell of the church in such a way not to talk about all of its flaws and put it down. That's a problem in the other direction. We need to admit it. But to set up the church as a Savior misses the point. I, I want to tell everybody now, everybody, all ages, there are times that our family will let us down. And you will let down your family. And there are times that this church will let you down. And there are times that I will let you down. But God is steadfast in His love. And what I hope you get in this family of faith are a group of people who live beneath and live through and live in hope of that steadfast love and how it's changing them every day that they tell stories of how the lord showed them great power how the lord brought them to a new land how the lord gave them good gifts how the lord has ordered them to live so that together then we discuss with one another what the right thing to do is we talk about the right thing to do, not to be abusive or to be judgmental or to be um, uh, anxious or nervous about it, but we talk about the right thing to do because we know how good it is. And if you ask me, how do I know that? I haven't even lived 50 years yet. How do I know? Well, I've lived a few years. But I've also been taught by people who lived 
many years and told me how good it was. I've told this story before that I, I wouldn't have been baptized until I was maybe 16, 17 or older because in my plan for my life when I was young, I was going to do just like my dad and I was going to get my driver's license. I was going to run down to the church and get baptized and get that check mark taken care of, sort of like registering for the selective service, you know. I, I'm registered for the draft. I got my driver's license. Now I'm baptized. Good. Now I can get on with my life. And as I was talking to an older man who had a lot of wisdom, he said, I can tell that you understand the gospel very well. And I said, yeah, and I think I'll probably take care of this. Oh, when I'm like 16, 17. He goes, okay. I was 13 at the time. He said, that sounds great to me, but I'd hate for you to miss out on the joy of the kingdom of heaven for a single day. Wait a second. Now I'm missing out. You mean there's joy to this? This isn't just something I've got to take care of so I don't burn in hell? You mean there's something good about this too? Yeah? Yeah. Well, I want to be a part of that now. And that's the way I want you to see it. That there's a good way to live. There's a right thing to do. And boy, it, it, it can be an adventure. It can be exciting. And the world doesn't have anything that compares with it. So here we are today, and each and every one of you are surrounded by people who've encouraged you in some way. The other bookend to this um, verse in Deuteronomy is Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 says, Since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, and especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Now, did you notice there that not every weight that holds us down is sin? Sometimes it's just distractions, sometimes it's worry, sometimes it's anxiety. And it hinders us from progress. Let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Before this verse, he talks about those who gave up a lot for faith. And the whole time they were doing it, they didn't even have what we had. But he said, they were doing this so that we might come to this moment and believe and run to God and trust in God. It's all connected. And he says, they weren't, they weren't doing this just for themselves. But when we do the right thing, as they were hoping we would do, then what we do completes their faith. It's part of the chain. It's all connected. This week, I witnessed events that represent 23 years of life and it was all connected in so many intricate ways when i tell you that the gospel of jesus is an event where god sent his son born of a virgin and he taught us the way to live the way to be truly human the right thing to do but the world, not understanding that, crucified him and attempted to shame him so that his message would be discredited. 
But God, doing something unexpected, raised him from the grave. And now he lives forever. And he is our king. We have gone from slavery to sin and self to service to a mighty king. We belong to him when we come to him. And he will come back because he continues to reign. Now, that story I've told you, and if you've been baptized into that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then you're connected with stories and events that go back thousands of years. Depending on how you count it, it could even be 4,000 years. Back to the faith of Abraham. You and I are connected to that. And here's the good news. We're all invited into it. And we're invited to participate in it and share it with others as we live our life in the super family and in the world. So would you stand up now? We're going to sing this song. If you need any encouragement or if you have a thanksgiving or if you have a word to share, come tell these elders if you want to respond to God's invitation. Whatever it may be, let us know. Ask a question. Let's sing and let's encourage one another.